This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 29. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. I am your host this week, Brett Hurst. And I am your co-host, Kelly Hurst. I'm so glad you're here. (laughs) Uh, We're both marriage educators and we're co-founders of Home Encouragement. And this Marriage to the Max podcast is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. Well, today we're asking a question that uh, seems to come up with every married couple at some point in your relationship, no matter how happy you are, no matter how healthy your marriage is, you're going to think of your spouse as the problem Mm -hmm. in your marriage. Mm -hmm. If only she were more... If only he would stop... (laughs) Stop what? (laughs) I don't know. Fill in the blank. So the question... You know what you do. (laughs) I don't know what I do. The question is, why is your spouse always the problem? Why is it your spouse that's always the problem? That is a fantastic question. And you know, I've asked you this question many times. Why are you always the problem? <laughs> Why is it our default to blame the other person? It it must be some kind of human condition because uh, it just keeps coming up. And actually, the Bible addresses this. Jesus talked about this in Matthew. He said, famous quote, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. A little Mm -hmm. bit of irony there. Mm -hmm. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? Mm -hmm. He says, you hypocrite. He's really the only one who can call somebody a hypocrite and get away with it. (laughs) Right. He says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Or your sister's eye. Whenever I hear that uh, scripture, I'm reminded. I will never think of that scripture the same way because a few years ago, when we were uh, tooling around Katie, immediately following Hurricane Ike, and there was nobody had power. You know, all the everything was closed. It was just ghost town. But we got in our car and decided to go kind of assess the damage. You know, in our neighborhood. See if we could find <clears throat> an open restaurant. Yeah, or exactly. And so it was you, me, and our son who was, I'm guessing, I don't know, a freshman at the time or in high school maybe. Anyway, so we're driving around and we pull up into this gas station and there's a woman who's in a car and she's got a flat tire and we right. didn't think she knew it. Uh-huh, that's and right. so we rolled down our windows and we're like, hey, miss, miss, getting our attention. We said, you, we just wanted you to know you've got a flat tire. And she looked right at us and she goes, y'all have got a flat tire. <laughs> And we go, what? And we get out of the car, and sure enough, we, I mean, completely flat. And from the back seat, Caleb goes, that's like that scripture. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I thought, I'll never think of that scripture the same way, because you're trying to point out something in someone else's world, and they turn it right back on you and go, well, <laughs> you've got one too. Poor you know? Kelly. <laughs> you were just trying to be helpful. Exactly. So, okay. So why is it natural for human beings to play the blame game. I mean, I know in my case, it's because it's genuinely not my fault. 
I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You were looking at me like I didn't know where you, you were going with that. But um bump, yeah. You know, in reality our our sin nature is what causes us to look for problems outside of ourselves. We are naturally self-centered. We are kind of bent that way. We're and also we're not naturally wired to look inwardly for the problem. So, mm-hmm. as a result of all that, our default is to point the finger somewhere else. Right. But you so can you can find yourself in kind of a negative pattern when you blame all the time. And so we're going to talk about kind of what that can lead to in marriage. Well, indeed we are. First of all, blaming is threatening uh, to your partner, mm-hmm. just like it's threatening to ourselves. You know, if you think about a time when you've been blamed for something, even if the blame was justified, how did you feel when blame was coming your way? Mm-hmm. You feel threatened. Right. In fact, I recently read something that caught my attention, and it was this. It said, <clears throat> your brain doesn't know the difference between life-threatening and ego-threatening. What does that mean? Well, it just means that when you're threatened, you're threatened. So whether you hear an explosion or you drop your keys in the toilet – your brain kind of has a similar mm-hmm. reaction, you mm-hmm. know. And of course, I'm not a neurologist or a psychologist, so I'm not sure of the scientific but you play one on TV. accuracy of that statement. But I know that I've been mad enough at times at you that I've wanted to absolutely scratch your face off. <laughs> really? And you're someone I love. <laughs> you wanted to scratch my face off. There have been moments in 25 years where I have wanted to scratch your face off, you know. The, what I'm trying to say is that there are even with someone you love, there are times when you just feel, you know, completely out of control, angry or scared or and it's not as though you've ever threatened my life or threatened my safety. And yet I've had that moment of, ah, oh, you know. Yeah, I don't recall ever threatening your safety. You wanted to scratch my face off? Wow. Seriously? <laughs> that That's what you're going to get stuck on? As if you weren't there? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can remember Taking you off a time or two, but the, I think you're being a little over dramatic. Okay, getting back to the point, it's that. But I'm not blaming you. When you're in an argument and your brain goes to that fight or flight place, right? It doesn't. It doesn't necessarily mean that your life's in danger, but your brain still kind of acts the same way. Kind of doesn't know the difference. Yeah, and kind of so like when, stress in your life. Exactly. Your body doesn't know whether you're experiencing good stress or bad stress. It's right. just stress. Exactly. Right. Okay. So the second thing that blame does is what it does, it really reflects our own unrealistic expectations. Of course, you and I have done a podcast episode on unrealistic expectations. And I think I, think I was it's, sick on that one. I think it's, it, it's an important thing to talk about. But let's just say for sake of argument that your expectations are completely reasonable. Okay. You know, I, I had a conversation recently with a young bride who's very frustrated in her marriage. And, she, you know, her, her biggest frustration is that she just feels like her husband doesn't put her first. Mm-hmm. You know, he just seems to say yes to everybody else. He's there for his coworkers. He's there for his extended family. But he'll they make date plans and he cancels at the last minute or mm-hmm. it's just kind of, you know, a pattern of this kind of a and, common marriage situation. Actually. Yeah. And so she was asking me, like, you know, is it unreasonable for me to expect that my husband should prioritize me? And I'm like, no, that's not unreasonable. Mm-hmm. That's what married people do. You put each other first. And so that's a reasonable expectation. But what I told her was like, you know. That may not be the best question to ask is, is my expectation reasonable? If you keep asking that question, hmm. 
and the answer is yes, it's reasonable, then you just simply get disgruntled and dissatisfied. Mm-hmm. Because you know, the person's not Yeah, because the what if they never change and you're just stuck in, hey, I've got these reasonable expectations, he's not meeting them or she's not meeting them, so I'm just going to remain frustrated. Right. So I think the better question and maybe the more even biblical question is, okay, so if my spouse never changes, what am I going to do to make changes so, this so that we where, can move forward? This is where grace comes back in. Yeah, because and, and none mutual. of us none of us get this stuff right 100% of the time. I mean, well, if, very few of us do. Yeah, I mean if anyone thinks the Hursts go home and get marriage right every single day, they are sadly mistaken. You really wanted to scratch my face off. I swear I regret ever saying that on <laughs> You may want to scratch my face off now. Yeah. So every married per every married person has moments when his or her spouse doesn't come through and but what would happen if instead of lamenting that your spouse got it wrong again, mm-hmm. you know, that you just showed up in that moment and you got it right? Mm-hmm. You know, how different would things – maybe you would change the trajectory instead of just staying stuck in this place of he doesn't do it right. You know, she just keeps getting it wrong, whatever. What? How can I show up and do something different to mm-hmm. move us forward? So what you're saying is something we circle back around to frequently that either one of you – can take proactive steps at any time to improve the relationship. Yeah, and I mean, ideally, it's great if both of you are working together to Mm -hmm. move it forward, but it's not as though it's a total loss if you're the only one who's trying to change things. You You can make some strides just on your own. Oh, yeah. Very good, very good. Okay, so another thing about blame, you know, when you blame someone else, it's kind of immature, if you're parents and if you have more than one child, try to picture them arguing with their sibling. Now, our kids never <laughs> argued with each other, uh, but I am picturing that in my mind. And it's childish when you blame someone mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. Uh, your six-year-old never comes to you and says, Daddy, I've been so selfish. Yeah. <laughs> Rarely happens. Uh, it's always the brother's fault or the sister's fault. And it's the same way in marriage. When we blame one another in marriage, We're just doing the same thing. We're acting out those childish ways, and it reveals our immaturity. And I would say, honestly, that each of us have had our share of childish moments over a quarter century of marriage. Indeed. Any you'd like to mention? Uh, No, I already regret (laughs) mentioning that I wanted to scratch your face off. (laughs) And you're listening to Marriage to the Max. Welcome back to Marriage to the Max. If you're in the greater Houston area, we want you to know that we host a monthly date night called Dinner in a Marriage, and we'd love for you to come out and join us. Uh, Visit our website at homeencouragement.org, and you can find out more details about what that 
uh, evening is all about. Well, right now we're continuing our conversation about why is your spouse always the problem? Mm -hmm. And before the break, we examine a couple of ways that blaming one another is really unproductive. So, Kel, what are some other ways that blaming is unhelpful? Well, blaming prevents you from growing and becoming personally responsible. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like a roadblock. I mean, if you think about it, if you are constantly pointing the finger at your spouse, what you're really doing is you're self-protecting. And typically when we self-protect, we stunt our own growth. So we we prevent ourselves from looking inward and identifying what needs to change in us. And, you know, some people really point their finger. I know, literally. Yeah. I think like, if I did that to you, you like you're doing right now. No, well, I'm just <laughs> demonstrating. I've never really pointed my finger. I, you would bite my finger off if I pointed my finger at you. I probably would. No, no question about it. <laughs> so, what did I do in our marriage that you couldn't stand? Well, for a long time, we would we would have an argument or dis, you know heated discussion, and when everything was said and done and you'd leave the room, you'd kind of shake your head like just in <laughs> exasperation. Used to drive me. That's what I wanted to scratch your face off. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, and then I, and then I finally I'm sure I deserved it. Because you didn't realize you were doing it. So I told you one time, I was like, oh, I can't, I hate it when you shake your head. Like it makes me feel so exasperating. And you were like, I don't I don't do that. Yes, you do. And so it, See, I was shifting blame. It took a little while, but now you definitely don't do that anymore, which is very helpful. Well, another point about blame is that it keeps you in marriage from playing as a team. And we always want couples to get back to that idea of, or that concept of team, in our case, Team Hurst. That's our name, Mm -hmm. Team Hurst. And Mm -hmm. we're playing as a team. It's just like when you're playing doubles in tennis. Mm -hmm. You know, if you get paired up with somebody randomly in doubles in tennis, you figure out, okay, this person's got a good serve. This person's got a good backhand. And you just figure out what you have, and then you go for it, Mm -hmm. you know, and you just make the the best of what you have. But you're working together Mm -hmm. for the common goal of whooping the other team. Right. So No, I love that analogy because sometimes you need a, a little visual reminder of, oh, yeah, we're on the same team. Right. And when you're blaming each other, that short circuits the process. Absolutely. You, you can't work as one. Yeah, that is for sure. When you're blaming each other. And then also, you know, what we try to tell couples is instead of choosing blame, choose influence. Because typically <clears throat> partners who are blaming are in a really negative pattern. Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard for them to kind of know what to do differently. And so we tell habitual blamers to just try to change the pattern, change the dance step, do something, just do something different and see what happens. You know, spouses who blame, they don't see self-improvement. They don't see moving forward in the relationship because they're stuck in this pattern of, you're always this way. Well, you never do this. So it's a spiral. Yeah, it's like spouses who nag. You know, does nagging ever really work? I mean... It's never worked with me. It never works. And yet people do it all the time because they don't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. And blame doesn't work either. You know, so instead of wasting your efforts trying to get your partner to change by blaming, try behaving in the manner you want your partner to behave in. Because Ah. in the end, you might just influence him, which would make for long-term change, you know, on his end as well. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, it's hard to think about changing the dance step, but it just takes one person mm-hmm. to do something different in the relationship to change the pattern. Because then your spouse is either confronted with, 
they either have to change with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, typically it's difficult to stay in the same pattern when someone else is doing something different. So if just one of you disrupts the system, then you're potentially yeah. changing the dynamic of the relationship. Yeah, exactly. Good old Dr. Phil has a uh, simple but great question that he always says, says, how's that working for you? Mm-hmm. You know, if you've been blaming your spouse for a long time and nothing seems to be changing, you might ask yourself that question. Or the question I would ask would be, what is the working definition of insanity? <laughs> you know, doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. Ask yourself what you can do differently to move things forward. Sometimes doing something radically different than what you've tried before can shake things up and Mm -hmm. cause things to go in a different direction. Mm -hmm. Obviously, prayer is something we always, what we want to default to, because more than anything else, I think when you're praying for one another and you're praying with one another, but let's just say you're praying for one another, Mm -hmm. it automatically get you out of that blaming mindset. You're giving that up to God in that moment when mm-hmm. you're praying. You can't blame somebody when you're praying for them. I know. So it, it reverses jets. Yeah. And it kind of just, it's it's what marriage, the long haul of marriage is all about, which is kind of just surrendering your own pride and your own want to's, you know, and, and prayer it really is such a helpful tool in doing that. Well, I want to affirm you. This has been a great episode, and I think you have done a great job. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> what I don't want to do is blame you in any way. For... <laughs> and I don't want to scratch your face off today. So that's awesome. Gosh. Well, let's build on that. <laughs> well, if you'd like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org, and you can also check out homeencouragement.org to find out uh, more about us, and you can email us. If you'd like, we'd love to hear from you at thehursts at homeencouragement.org. That's H-U-R-S-T-S. Also, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, if you're on iTunes, we would love for you to rate the podcast. That will help us uh, extend our audience, which will allow us to encourage more couples. And until next next time, I'll spit it out. (laughs) I always have trouble with this. Remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all.